Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Focus on Albany. I'm Cynthia Pooler, and my guest today is Blair Horner, and he is, are you the executive director of NYPERC? I still am. Say that again. I still am. I still am the executive director of NYPERC. Okay. So, and he's here to talk about a really important issue that everybody should be aware of, and that's redistricting. So, Blair, when when will the maps be redrawn? Well, thanks for having me on, uh, Cynthia. Always good to talk to you. Um, Thank you. It's been a while. Every, yeah, I know. Every 10 years, uh, the under the U.S. Constitution since 1790, there's a census, and the whole point of this initially, the whole point of the census was to figure out where everybody lives so that um, political boundaries changed, reflecting changes in the state population. And so we're, the census has just finished up, uh, as you know, uh, this uh, earlier this fall, and the data will be sent from the feds to the state at some point soon. I mean, um, as many of your listeners know, the Trump administration was tied up with various legal decisions. They wanted to shut the census down early. Uh, they were starving it for resources. There were all sorts of games that were being played. But the census is done. And when the, the data is supposed to be sent to the states early next year, it could be later. Um, under the New York State Constitution, a uh, commission has been created uh, and their job is to advise the legislature on how the line should be drawn. And they'll start um, having draft maps for the public to comment on starting next fall, fall of 21. And then the lines will be redrawn for the state legislature. Uh, and the legislature is scheduled to vote on that in early 2022 so that the early so that the um, elections of 2022 will be under the new lines. There's a long answer to a very short question, but I figured I'd throw in the kitchen sink to get things started. People don't realize the importance of the uh, state legislatures because the state legislature redraws the map for the federal and the state level. And, you know, the state legislature draws the map for congressional districts. When so many people are concentrating at the top of the ticket, they're not mindful of what the state legislators will be doing and the importance of that. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, it um, it largely falls under the radar. Um, I mean, I'm sure that virtually everyone who's listening to this show doesn't know necessarily the timetable for when these maps are going to come out, but you're right. right. The, this, this commission that's created under state law and which advises the state legislature draws lines for both state legislative districts, the New York state Senate and the New York state assembly, but also the house of representatives for um, New York um, under the census that change um, the, one of the first things that's going to happen is there will be a, a reapportionment of the 435 members of the U.S. House of Representatives 
to the states. In New York, since its population has been stagnant, may lose one, maybe two congressional seats. And so, you know, someone has to redraw the new lines. Now, if the legislature can agree, it goes to the courts, and then the courts can draw the lines. Uh, but the state legislature gets the first bite at the apple, and if they can come up with lines uh, for the members of Congress, they will do that. And while may or may not care, uh, it does matter in terms of political power uh, and where the um, where the lines are drawn may um, hurt certain parts of the state or uh, certain uh, people of a certain uh, partisan persuasion. Uh, more than others. And so that's why it's important that it be done right, it be done fairly, and it be done equitably. Mm. Um, So the state legislature draws the lines for Congress. And people don't make the connection between that. Um, And I think it's so unfortunate. Now let's go back 10 years. Um, when what the last redistricting? The last redistricting was pretty interesting because Andrew Cuomo kicked the can down the road. Can you give us the uh, story of what happened ten years ago? Well, yeah. I mean, as as we've been talking about, the state legislature draws the lines, but they do need the governor's approval, uh, like any uh, the the. The maps are like any other bill in Albany. You need both houses to agree, and then you need the governor to sign it. And if he doesn't, then it's subject to a legislative veto. So Governor Cuomo approved the lines in 2012 that the legislature had drawn up. And there were, in our opinion, the most um, um, weirdly drafted of any of the ones that we've seen in the preceding 40 years. They gave maximum partisan advantage, particularly to the Senate Republicans. But as part of the deal, the governor Mm -hmm. said that he wanted the state constitution to be amended uh, to create what he called an independent commission to draw the lines. And so the both houses of the legislature agreed to that constitutional amendment. It went to the voters and the voters approved it. And so now there's this new commission that takes the first crack at drawing the lines subject to legislative approval and the governor's approval, just like 10 years ago. But what happened in 2012, that was part of this grand bargain. The governor would agree to what were nakedly partisan lines being drawn in both houses. And as a price for him not vetoing those lines, he uh, drafted up negotiating with the legislature a constitutional amendment that was approved by voters in 2014, which creates this new system. So this is the first time, in starting in 2021, this will be the first time that there'll be a sort of a new process for drawing lines in the past half century. And whether or not it's meaningful or not, of course, is, depends on how you look at it. But it'll be a little bit different this time because there's this independent commission well, so-called independent commission picked by the legislative leaders draw the lines for the legislature, and then the legislature can approve it or disapprove it and ultimately come up with their own lines if that's what they want to do. Ten years ago, there was a brand-new district carved out, and if my recollection is uh, correct, it was carved out for 
George Amador, right? Yeah, under the state constitution, there's a cap. Uh, the, the number of assembly districts is set in the state constitution is 100, at 150. Under right. the state constitution, the number of senators is set at 50, but they're allowed to change it every 10 years if they want. And so in uh, and that one of the ways that the Senate Republicans were able to hold on to keeping the state Senate in the redistricting of 1992, of 2002, and 2012 was to add Senate districts and try to carve it out in a way that would make it more likely that Republicans would win. And the district that everyone sort of views as the, the new 63rd district that was added in 2012 is a district in the Hudson Valley that runs basically from the um, Albany area down to the uh, Poughkeepsie area on the, more or less the west side of the Hudson mm-hmm. River. It was a district designed for who was then an assembly, a Republican assemblyman, George Amador, for him to run and win. And he did. And he got, and he lost one time for re-election, and he came back and won. And he has been the state senator for that district, uh, although he's now retiring. Uh, and it appears, certainly appears that way, that the Democrats will take that seat back uh, as part of, you know, the sort of the blue wave that ran through in the 2020 elections that benefited the Democrats. The that particular race between. Amador and Cecilia Katchik, who you have, uh, who I've had on focus on Albany with you, and that race was a nail biter. It, uh-huh. it, it it wasn't decided until after the new year, right? That's right. It was a very close race, and the election this time, uh, where another Republican named Amador. Uh, who I think is a distant relative of George Amador, who retired. Uh, the Democrats right. took that seat in the uh, November election, uh, and that too was very close. And it was just recently called, probably within the past week, for the Democrats. Mm. So, when does when does the new lines take effect? Take effect in time for the November 2022, well, the November 22 general elections, and will also be in place, they're supposed to be in place for the June 2022 primary elections. The Under the state constitution, the lines are supposed to be drawn in early 2022, but when they did the amendment in 2014, the primary was in September. The primary has now been moved mm-hmm. to June. Uh, and so the timetable doesn't really work anymore. And there's an effort uh, to amend the state constitution again to change the redistricting process uh, for uh, uh, to change it in time to impact the 2022 lines. Whether or not that's that happens or not, of course, is anyone's guess. But there has been a constitutional amendment that was approved this past July to change again the state constitution for redistricting to deal with issues related. One of them was the fact that the timetable set in the state constitution was designed for a September primary, not a June one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So 2022 is Cuomo, if he decides to run, will be up for re-election, right? That's right. And if he runs, it'll be for a 
historic fourth term if he wins. I mean, he's only been in modern since the uh, four-year terms for governors were put in place earlier last century. There's only been one governor who's been elected four times, and that was Nelson Rockefeller. Um, And uh, if the current governor, Governor Andrew Cuomo, ran, it would be for a fourth term in November of Mm -hmm. 2022. Wow. It's going to be interesting to watch. So let's talk a little bit about this coming legislative session. What do you expect? Remote? Everything by remote? Well, I, you know, (laughs) it's a good question. Uh, The legislature has not said uh, what they're going to do for sure. But it would seem like, you know, the end of last year, the legislative session started as the beginning of March, and they moved very quickly to some version of remote activity. Um, The legislature essentially shut down its operations and came back periodically to address issues and they more or less shut down at the end of March and they came back at the end of uh, in, at the end of May and they came back again in July to deal with issues relating to the pandemic uh, and the protests uh, that came out after the uh, murder of George Floyd. And so those, mm-hmm. the, so the legislature really, I don't think has really figured out, has figured out exactly how they want to attack, um, how to come back. But my guess would be that they'll pick up where they left off that they will be coming back and uh, act, uh, acting more or less remotely. Uh, committees will be done uh, in sort of on a Zoom-like platform. The legislature will vote on a Zoom-like platform. But the rules have not been yet put in place for how they're going to do that, and that's the first thing that they have to do in early January when they come back with the new legislature after the elections is to establish the rules for the upcoming session. My guess the session will at least start off in this sort of remote setting, you know, internet-based platform, um, mm-hmm. and whether or not you know the vaccine is rolled out, if there is a vaccine, and that changes things. I mean, who knows? But certainly, I would think for the first three or four months of the legislative session, at least they'll be operating in some uh, legislative process that's more or less based on technology and um, a Zoom-like platform. Uh, the Senate Democrats have achieved a supermajority. I don't think Cuomo is very happy with that. Do you? Well, I, the any any governor would not like to have two houses having supermajorities uh, in the legislative branch because the you know, American system is set up in terms of checks and balances. And the governor's power uh, to veto is eroded if both houses of the legislature have supermajorities for one political party or another. It gives the legislature more leverage against the governor. And you're right. I mean, the Senate now appears to have a supermajority, and the Assembly Democrats have had a supermajority now for years. So it gives the legislature, I think, more um, power in budget in negotiations with the governor, particularly in the area of the budget. But you know, the supermajority where you can, where the governor can pick off one state senator, is not you know an overwhelming majority. But nevertheless, I think it gives the legislature more of a say in the public policy of the state than it did last year. Wow. So, 
you're, you're, uh, I mentioned you're the executive director of NYPIRG. Exactly what is NYPIRG, and is it a watchdog of the state government? Well, NYPIRG stands for New York Public Interest Research Group, and we are a nonpartisan, strictly nonpartisan, not-for-profit uh, entity um, uh, funded by uh, New Yorkers. We're not part of the government. And our job is to Im- try to impact uh, on public policy issues across the board. And so we have positions in the area of reform that we've been discussing, but also areas in health care, uh, consumer issues, environmental issues, and you know, that kind of stuff, public health issues, higher education across the board. Uh, and uh, we, that's how we try to impact. And, you know, we, sometimes we win, sometimes we lose. But, yeah, I'd say we're a watchdog. Uh, because of the pandemic and people doing things virtually, does that change the way you will be doing business, Blair? It really has. I mean, it's much harder to get to New Yorkers on issues um, if you don't already have them on your list. So we have, you know, tens of thousands of people that are part, that have supported NYPIRG. And so we're able to reach out to them and to educate them on issues or email them. But we can't. It's much harder to reach out to other people because we don't have their contact information. So that makes it harder. It's harder to go out and knock on doors and get people involved in issues like we normally do if you can't knock on doors because if you do, you might be a super spreader in a pandemic. Right? So that's much harder. That's much harder. And it's much harder right. to impact down at the state capitol when the legislature is not in town. Uh, that being said, you know, we've adapted and we continue to roll. Yeah, I, I've walked through the concourse on a weekday, almost like it's it's a ghost town. And, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty depressing just to go in there and see nobody, like especially on a Tuesday lobby day when you would see hundreds and maybe thousands of people, you see nobody and i think it it seems so eerie do you have uh, and i believe the um legislature and the capital the capital i mean it's close to the public right that's right wow now the public's work gets done uh in votes that occur in the public view but are not easily accessible to the public itself so well, you could argue that it's, you know, sometimes the capital got more or less out of control. I mean, it, lawmakers were, you know, forced to face uh, their constituents and voters. Uh, and now they don't, it's not the same uh, ball of wax at all. Um, and so the advantage of the established hot-wired lobbyists are the ones at disadvantage. Right now, it's very hard for new people to, to get into the mix unless they're elected official or they're sort of tied in with some elected official. It makes it much harder. So groups like mine, where we don't endorse anybody, we don't make campaign contributions, um, it, we're easier to ignore uh, than we were when we would be in the in the hallways and we could talk. Lawmakers would be forced to talk to us just by the fact that we're physically in their in their space, and now you can't do that. So you know, we'll see what happens next year. Uh, you know, as the legislative session of twenty twenty one rolls out. Um, but I think it's going to be an important um, issue for the session 
is to how to ensure maximum public participation when you're not physically present. Uh, how do you do that? And, um, and I'm not sure the legislature has completely figured that out yet. You know, it happened so quickly from one week to the other in March. It was like people were going to events, seeing each other, and then all of a sudden there was a shutdown. Yeah. And the the same thing happened at the legislature. Was like was it like a culture shock from uh, mingling to like quarantining yourself? Well, you know, yes, but at the time, because of the chaos caused by the pandemic and the fact that we were in New York, which is was at the you know, it was really the first major metropolitan area in the United States was really getting hit. It got hit hard. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't really what you were thinking about. You were thinking about, like, in my case, I was thinking about how do I make sure my staff are safe? How do I make sure I can pay them? How can I make sure that we continue to do what we're supposed to be doing under those circumstances? And so the culture shock part of it became more of just, how do I deal with it and less about how do I feel about it? Um, and so that sort of, that got, you know, as the, as the pandemic, at least in New York eased through the summer, you know, you start to establish a new normal. And now that it's heating back up again, uh, all the scary scenarios that I was worried about in March and April of uh, earlier this year are coming back. Those ghosts are coming back more survival and safety than it is culture shock. Although it is weird. I mean, since 1984, every legislative session, I've been physically present at the state capitol since 1984. And this is the first year, since starting last March until now, is the longest I've gone without having been in the capitol, meeting with various public officials. It is definitely a weird experience and unsettling. I haven't even really been in my office uh, because they haven't opened our offices. People can go in if they have work to do, but no, they're not enough. Nobody's required to do it, and so it's been it's been strange all around. When I think about it, in terms of how do I work, and in terms of what am I doing, uh, it's it's very diff- different. And you know, being worried about organizational survival and making sure that people are safe and uh, compensated, uh, you know, it's a lot more stressful than it was in the past. Not that we were ever, you know, rolling in the dough, uh, but it's much more uh, threadbare uh, than it was uh, just six months ago. I know one of the new members is Michelle Hinchy, you know, that that won an advocacy. So what about the new members who this is their first term? This is going to be like a baptism of fire where they might not know. They have to get acclimated to everything on top of a pandemic. Would you agree? Yeah, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. They, the The benefits of being physically present with your colleagues allows for the informal acclimation to how Albany operates. There's a lot of things to criticize how Albany operates. Don't get me wrong. And there's like maybe some value to not being there too much. Be able to understand what your your colleagues think, the concerns that people might have in different parts of the state, the informal informal network of, of how that is all communicated is 
greatly uh, diminished. And so how this is all going to be, I assume for the new lawmakers in particular, it's going to be very difficult. Um, and, and I'm sure that the legislative leaders are conscious of it and are probably doing things like this week. The uh, assembly, for example, is meeting in a closed door session remotely um, to discuss, you know, the upcoming session. So I assume both houses are going to be working to get their houses in order for the upcoming session and trying to figure out ways to ensure that the new members feel like they're part of what's happening. It's very hard. It's very hard. As I mentioned before, it'd be very hard to be a new lobbyist right now because lobbying, a lot of it is based on understanding the process by how things operate and the personalities of the people involved. And, you know, you can't, no one really knows what that's going to be like 2021 until if there is a vaccine, until it gets sort of distributed throughout the population. I don't think it's hard to imagine the legislature going back to anything that looks that, that looks anything like it used to. So, you know, I know that, you know, at the beginning of session or maybe in the middle, I'm not exactly sure when, but there's a lot of fundraisers for different legislators up here in Albany. That's not going to happen this year, is it? Nope. Nope, not at all. I mean, fundraisers will always occur. And how they do it in this environment is not entirely clear to me how they're going to do it. But they've figured out how to raise money and run it successfully in November. And so it'll be a new form of the fundraising that they've done. in the. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's a lot easier to just get lobbyists to give you money while you're in Albany voting on bills that lobbyists care about than it will be uh, in sort of this remote setting. Wow. So in the final couple of minutes that we have left, Blair, um, if people want to contact um, NYPIRC, how can they do so? Well, the easiest thing would be to go to our website, www.nyperk.org, N-Y-P is in public, I is in interest, R is in research, G is in group, nyperk.org. And there they could see what we work on. And there's a, you know, an about us tab like everybody has with the links to the uh, staff, the leadership team, and that would include me. And so people just, the easiest way to be to just go to the website and uh, connect to me or anybody that they're interested in uh, through there. Blair, I hope, I hope to continue this conversation as the um, new session starts. It's going to be an interesting year. Um, so you've been listening to Blair Horner, Executive Director of NYPERC. I'm Cynthia Pooler. If you like this show, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Blair, it's always fun talking to you. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a great day. Thank you.